So this is episode two of Redefining Disability, and I just want to say thank you to Nicole for joining me for this episode. Um, if you want to just introduce yourself a little bit, and then we can get started. All right. Well, hi, I'm Nicole D'Angelo. I use she, they pronouns. Um, I am uh, an actor musician. I am um, a disability advocate, and uh, I'm an autistic person. So that's, that's my jam. Awesome, awesome. So today I figured that we would focus around person versus identity first language. We can also talk about really anything, but just to get us started, we can start talking about person versus identity first language. This is something that's really interesting to me. So I have a minor in social work. Like in my social work classes, we've learned the importance of person first language. Um, but then as I was doing more research, I came to find out that a lot of disabled folk tend to prefer identity first language. So I just wanted to get your opinion on that. Yeah, so I, I also went to Montclair. Um, I majored in, in music education, and so I took some special ed classes there. And, and when I took those classes, they also were like, always use person first language. It was even in the syllabus for one of them. Like it was like, you must use person first language. And I went up to her after class and I said, I will absolutely not ever be using person first language ever. And this is why. <laughs> and she was like, oh, okay. And uh, you know, I was hoping that had made an impact, but then I heard the next year, she just kind of dismissed what I said, but okay, it's fine. Person first, person first language is um, uh, for people who don't know is when you quote unquote, place the person before their disability. So you say person with autism or um, person with blindness, person with a disability, uh, whereas identity first language um, just, you know, makes an adjective out of whatever the thing is. So autistic person, blind person, disabled person. Um, and uh, there is quite a lot of contention about this topic, particularly in the autistic community. Um, it's a very sensitive subject in the autistic community, more so than in other disabled communities I've found. Um, I've, I've found that uh, other than the deaf community, other disabled communities um, tend not to care as much as the autistic community, mm -hmm. but I can definitely speak to why it's so important within the autistic community. Um, and that is because person-first language is something that was imposed on us. That's something that non-autistic parents and quote-unquote autism professionals um, have been pushing. <laughs> That's something that they decided, that, that, um, that my child is more than his autism. So he is a child with autism. He's not an autistic child. And it's, it's an attempt to separate the person from the disability. I kind of understand the point, but the, the, the issue that we take with it as autistic people is that we cannot be separated from our disability. There is no point that autism ends and Nicole begins. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, it's, it's something that affects every single facet of my everything. It's not something I can, like, you know, I can't even be like, well, I'm like that because of my autism. No, I'm just like that. That's just, that's just who I am. So that's, that's why it's so contentious within the community. It's because it's because it's, it's something that non-autistic people kind of decided for us was a way that we needed to view ourselves. Um, when there's a whole autistic culture, there's a huge autistic community and, and separating oneself from autism means separating oneself from that. And, and why would, you know, why would we want to do that? Also, just grammatically speaking, like you wouldn't say 
I'm a person from America or I'm a person with blonde hair. Like you say you're an American, you say you're blonde because it's a part of you. So to push this narrative that autism is so undesirable that we would want to be separated from it is extremely harmful and offensive to us. So that's why it's so important within the autistic community. I'm not deaf, so I can't speak to the deaf community. But from what I've heard from my deaf friends, it's a similar sentiment there. They very strongly prefer identity first language. And it's because of the sense of community, the sense of culture surrounding deafness. Wow, I that's really interesting. Yeah. So I have cerebral palsy. And I've always used um, person first language. Because like you said, like there's such, there's this kind of ableist narrative that autism or any type of disability is so undesirable and that's kind of what I want to challenge with this podcast I want to challenge the harmful rhetoric that surrounds disability so Mm -hmm. I've always used person first language I've always said I have like I'm a person with a disability rather than saying I'm a disabled person my cerebral palsy is pretty mild so I've always felt like I didn't really, I wasn't disabled enough to belong in the disabled community. Like, I'm not disabled enough to call myself disabled. There's such a negative connotation around the word disabled. Yeah. But I think it's so important that activists are reclaiming the word disabled. Like, I was doing a paper on internalized ableism earlier this semester, and I was researching a lot about reclaiming the word disabled, and I just found that really interesting. I mean, a lot of it for me is that the importance in claiming that word is that being disabled entitles me to um, certain accommodations, certain legal rights that that I have because I have a disability. And I will say as a side note, I do know many people who um, identify as having a disability, but not as disabled. Hmm, interesting, interesting. Which is, you know, which is, is interesting because they, they don't feel like the term disabled represents them or describes them for whatever reason. But like, you know, you can't deny that cerebral palsy is a disability. Autism is a disability, but they, they don't identify with that term disabled as an identity. So mm-hmm. that's another, you know, another uh, side side note. But what was my main point I was just making? My goodness. Oh, yes. Um, saying disability, saying disabled is crucial because that's that's the reason um, I'm entitled to uh, in school. Like, that's why I was entitled to a 504 plan. Mm-hmm. Um, that's what entitles children to IEPs. That's what makes wheelchair ramps a legal thing. That's what makes, you know, that's why um, deaf people have the right to ASL interpretation, things like that. By discouraging the use of disability, by replacing disability with these euphemisms like differently abled or special needs or ugh, handicapable, which I can't even say without gagging. <laughs> um, <laughs> when you replace the term, it just muddies the waters when this is something that's so crucial. Like, why would you know, why would you obscure the path to getting these legally entitled rights that we have with these right, terms right. that like that are meant to cushion uh make us somehow make us feel better (laughs) about being different when it would really it it has the opposite effect i I can't stand differently abled and and right right terms like that special needs i i i can't i can't deal with that so um uh, there's been a, a a huge push 
in the community, especially in recent years, to, to reclaim disability and to tell non-disabled people that disability is not a bad word. Disabled is not a bad word. Exactly. Like, growing up, I always felt like it was. It was a bad word. That's just, like, the narrative that was encouraged by the people around mm -hmm. me because I've never really... I don't really have any um, friends who are disabled. I don't really know many of my peers who are disabled. So growing up, I just, I tried to stay away from the word dis like disabled or disability. And I think it produced a lot of internalized ableism. Like in high school, I hated my disability, I guess. Like I tried to like hide it. But now I'm just mm -hmm. like, you know, like it is, this is a major part of my identity. Like it is a huge identity marker. Like, exactly what you said. Like, it's not a bad word. It's not... Disabilities are not scary. They're not... They don't make you less than... Exactly. Exactly. It doesn't mean unable. That's the other thing right. that I often see people conflating disability with inability. Mm -hmm. And it, it just does not mean that. That's not what it means. That's an, an old belief system that disability and inability are are the same thing when really disability just means... All it means is that this planet that we are living on was not designed with me in mind. Right, right. So it doesn't mean I'm unable. It means that it means that uh, things are inaccessible to me. I deal with inaccessibility on a daily basis because of who I am, and that's all it means. Right, right. So I'm I am disabled by society. I'm not disabled, you know, it's not an innate inability within me. Right, right. It's that society's not set up to handle me. <laughs> right. Yeah, no, that's a great way of looking at it. Like, there's just so much, um, the word is escaping me, but there's like, just ableism is just a huge part of our American society. Like, whether we mm -hmm. recognize it or not, like, it's so ingrained in everyday language. There's so much casual ableism and just like little microaggressions and ableism is just it's everywhere <laughs> yeah it, it absolutely is and and even even just in, in the course of, of scheduling this with you we encountered ableism from from uh, somebody commenting on the post saying this is nice but you really should use person first right, language right <laughs> I was like Ay ay ay. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Um but that's that sentiment that you shared about like, you know, wanting to distance yourself from disability when you were younger. I I very much felt that too. My my experience is slightly different because I self-diagnosed when I was about 15 years old. Mm -hmm. Um I was the one who <laughs> I I came across Asperger's syndrome and autism in some research I was doing and I was like, "Oh my god, this is this is me. So um, at that point, I would say now, I, I would say, um, you, you know, autism being a spectrum, I would say now I, I think it's a little more obvious than it used to be that I'm autistic. So I think now, like, I don't think anybody would be surprised if I met them. But at the time, everybody I was meeting was like, oh, you're the most high functioning person I've ever met. And functioning labels are a whole nother ableist mechanism that we could get into but that was what people were saying and so I had this complex of oh I'm not disabled enough mm -hmm. because I can speak I'm not right. disabled enough because I'm not in special education classes things like that when you know like I was still encountering inaccessibility on a daily basis I was still masking on a daily basis I was working very hard to fit into 
a, a box that that was not meant to hold me. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. I feel like even myself, like, I forget that it's okay that, like, disability is a spectrum. Like, because I feel like the media especially kind of encourages this idea that disability looks like this one specific thing. Mm-hmm. When, in fact, that's just not, that's not reality. That disability is, there's so many dis- types of disabilities. The media portrays disability as someone who's weak, someone who's like bitter and that's just that's another yeah. that's a whole other topic, but well that's that's a I'm glad you said media cuz that's I mean that's my area. Um <laughs> that's that's my thing. Um and and you're right, there are so many harmful tropes around disability. We saw basically all of them wrapped up with a neat little bow in Sia's recent movie Music. Right, right. Was a perfect oh example gosh, of like yeah. all the harmful dis- disability tropes um including, you know, the the disabled person serving as just this sort of conduit to make the dis- the, the able-bodied people or the non-disabled people feel better about themselves right, or right. To, to teach them something about themselves. Right, right. Uh, which is is so frustrating or or just this idea that like like all that like their entire world is consumed by their disability rather than them existing as a disabled person within a world you know what I mean mm-hmm, mm-hmm. uh that you know that if you want a great example of like every bad disability yeah <laughs> yeah I was so I was so disappointed by Sia because I like genuinely this is just a little tangent but like I genuinely really enjoyed her music um mm-hmm. and then when when that whole thing came out with her movie I was just like oh damn Sia why why you gotta do that <laughs> yeah yeah, it was it was really disappointing because yeah. her reaction to you know we there were a lot of activists reaching out, mm-hmm. um, saying you know this is this is how you could have done it, uh, and she just shut them all down. She, right. One person said that you know they were available. Nobody, they they didn't see anything about an audition. Nobody told them that there was this audition happening, and they happily would have auditioned for the role of music, um, if, um, if they had heard about it. And mm-hmm. Sia said, "Well, maybe you're just a bad actor." Oh my god. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's so disappointing. So, yeah, the the other problem with media is it makes disability like it it has this like mystical quality to it because you just mm-hmm. don't see it often in the media when in reality we're the largest minority. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. One in 5 Americans at least is disabled uh has a disability and that that is not the ratio that we see in right. the media. Right. Yeah, I was surprised for one of my classes, my final project was to create a pitch for a whether that be a tv show or a podcast or a film we just had to create a pitch for some type of media that um, brings light to an unrepresented or misrepresented group so I created a pitch for a podcast like this and then for another one of my classes I had to actually create a piece of media that represented me. So I was like, okay, this is perfect. Like for one of my classes, I'm creating a pitch. And then for the other one of my classes, I'm actually, I can actually create this podcast. Um, But as I was doing research, I found that, like you said, it's the people with disabilities are the largest minority, which I did not know. Um, Mm -hmm. And there's just, there's so much about disabled culture that I don't know. And I feel like, I feel guilty in a way because like having a disability, I feel like I should be, I, I should know more, which is like part of the reason why I wanted to create this podcast and like 
bring people like you on board so that I could learn more. And I just, I, I love, I love, uh, getting the chance to hear people's different people's perspectives and stuff. I can't fault disabled people for not knowing about their community. It's not like, it's not like other, I think, you know, I think it's probably most similar to the LGBT community in that generally speaking, um, BIPOC communities, like, you know, there's, there's probably in most cases, like you're, you're growing up around people like you, Mm -hmm. your family is like you. Whereas in the disabled community, like you said, you might be the only disabled person you know. In the LGBT community, you might be the only LGBT person that you know. Um, and so how, you know, if, if media, which is extremely influential in our lives, particularly as young people, if the media is not showing you people who look like you, who are like you, you know, why <laughs> why would you know? Right, right. You yeah. know, it, it's ridiculous that you have to go out and, like, seek out other people like you when you should just be encountering that on a daily basis because it's perfectly normal and one in five people right, right, exactly. <laughs> is disabled. So. Yeah, yeah. And for a lot of um, non-disabled people, this, the media is their only... It's their only exposure. Right, that, that's what I was looking for, exposure. It's their only exposure to disabilities. All this harmful portrayal, that's the only exposure that non-disabled people have so that just forms their idea of dis- disability which is like completely inaccurate i mean when you know when you think about autism probably the first piece of media that people think of is rain man um which you know right now in 2021 absolutely unacceptable in every single way but at the time that rain man came out in um i believe it was 1992 i want to say um 91 or 92 when it came out Autism was a 1 in 10,000 diagnosis. Oh, Autism wow. was considered to be extremely rare. And that's because it had very restrictive diagnostic guidelines. Like it was like there were like, there, say there are 15 symptoms of autism. You have to have 14 out of 15 in order to be diagnosed. Oh, wow. Whereas obviously autism presents in an in infinite number of ways. And that's a ridiculous way to diagnose it. But so at that time, it was a one in 10,000 diagnosis. And when Rain Man came out, all of a sudden, these parents were like, Oh, my God, that's my that's my child, who had been diagnosed with childhood schizophrenia or uh, Mm -hmm. mental retardation or something like that. And they're like, No, that's my child. And then um, non disabled people would start to you know, if they saw an autistic person in public, if they saw an autistic kid melting down, whereas before Rain Man, they probably would have been judgy. They probably would have been like, like, oh, that mother can't control that child after Rain Man. Then they were like, oh, is your kid autistic? <laughs> you know, it, it brought autism into a household setting. And I right. think that's a great example of like, good that media can do. Of course, again, in 2021, Rain Man is <laughs> completely unacceptable in every way. <laughs> But at the time, it was the only thing that there was. So that's that's a great example of the impact that media can have. And now we look at autistic representation in the media and we think of atypical, which stars a um, neurotypical person as an autistic person. We think of the good doctor, which stars a neurotypical person as uh, as an autistic person. We think of the Big Bang Theory, which stars a neurotypical person <laughs> as a neuroatypical person whose autism is never actually acknowledged. Um, but you think about that. So you have three non-disabled people <laughs> portraying three autistic people and they're all white men. Right, They're all right, white exactly. cis men. And yeah. that's just, that's not, <laughs> that's not 
representative of the autistic experience. So mm-hmm. I try to I try to direct people to shows such as um, Speechless. Okay, uh, that was right, a fantastic right. show, mm-hmm. uh, which starred a um, a white cis male, uh, however, with cerebral palsy mm-hmm. as a boy with cerebral palsy. Right, and um, and had a lot of different disability representation just in the people that he interacted, which which was awesome. Uh, and there's a great series called Everything's Gonna Be Okay on Freeform. Oh, right. I've seen ads for that. Okay. Fantastic series starring, here's a concept, an autistic girl as an autistic girl. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> Mind blown. So, you know, we you, we get these like little, you know, these gems every once in a while. Um, and, and I'm so glad that it's happening more often now. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it there's there's just so much harm that's been done. It's so hard to undo what people believe about something. Yeah, this was this was great. I absolutely loved getting the chance to talk to you. Um, thank you so much for uh, responding to my post and everything. I really really appreciate it. So yeah, thank you, thank you so much, Nicole, for um coming on my little my little podcast journey. I got any time. I this is I love. I love talking about stuff. This is, you know, what I, what I do. So I'm, I'm always really excited to, um, to connect with other, uh, with other disabled people too, who are, who have similar interests. So really exciting for me to meet you. Yes, this is awesome. Thank you. Thank you so much. I really, really appreciate it.